Welcome to Dave Turner's Teach Yourself podcast series on the hospitality tabletop industry. Dave is the globally known chief evangelist and editor for tabletopjournal.com. This podcast was originally published on the week of January 14th, 2019, and runs for approximately 15 to 20 minutes. A non-traditional journalist, Dave has spent nearly 30 years as a sales and marketing executive in the world of hospitality. Hi again, everyone. It's Dave here again with our latest episode of Seat Yourself. It's our 15 to 20 minute podcast on the latest in the hospitality tabletop sector. If you're a hospitality tabletop supplier where selling through distribution is important to you and you haven't yet listened to last week's 60 Minutes with Shannon, the segment where Shannon talks about what not to do as a vendor to her company, Edward Don, then you really need to go back and listen to that one. You need to know that Shannon Talon is the tableware and buffetware category manager for Don and I suspect that her answer to that question probably goes for nearly most of the dealers in our industry. And this week, Shannon talks about her impressions of the pottery and the pottery-like dinnerware that we've seen in our business for some time now, and what she believes the future holds for those types of products. And as usual, Shannon gives you her thoughts straight up and unvarnished, just the way you've come to expect here at Seat Yourself. So with that, let's get started. As we always do, we start each episode of Seat Yourself off with a stat of the week. And this week's stat comes from the consulting firm PricewaterhouseCoopers and is their 2019 average daily rate forecast for the hotel occupancy here in the U.S. PwC predicts a 3% increase in ADR combined with an overall occupancy rate staying just about the same as it did in 2018. So that's good news. However, when you dig down underneath the overall numbers, you'll see that it's really the mid-scale on up through luxury sectors of the hotel industry holding up the entire hotel segment. These types of numbers spell good news for food and beverage suppliers, including tabletop suppliers, for the hotel business staying strong in 2019. Additionally, hotel supply in those same sub-segments, mid-scale up through luxury, is forecasted to increase, so expect more new openings to fuel tabletop purchases in those categories as well. And of course, the renewed focus on food and beverage as a hotel property differentiator, that continues still. So, barring any dramatic downturn in travel or some other unforeseen massive happening, we're looking forward to a solid performance in tabletop suppliers when it comes to the hotel sector for 2019. So, good news all around. In our first news story this week, lately more and more of our conversations with industry professionals have revolved around the upcoming NAFM show in Orlando and the Ambiente show in Frankfurt, Germany. First, the NAFM show. This every other year show is North America's largest food service and equipment supplies trade show with over 10,000 expected attendees and around 600 exhibitors. Pretty impressive. And for our thinking, although several key tabletop companies have chosen not to exhibit in recent NAFM shows, this is still a great show to get a good measure of our industry. Predominantly, the attendees are dealers, sales reps, manufacturers, with certainly some operators sprinkled in too. We do know of several tabletop companies that are using the NAFM show to launch brand new products and brand new collections before the other key spring shows like NRA in May in Chicago. Manufacturers looking to strengthen their bonds to the dealer community usually find the NAFM show one of their key shows. And for that reason alone, being in Orlando is a good idea. And while we'll definitely be headed to Orlando, our stay there will be short as we head off after just after day number one to Frankfurt to catch up with the Ambiente show people. If you're not familiar with Ambiente, Ambiente is simply the world's largest consumer goods show. And while it has historically been a show targeted towards the consumer markets, there's a growing presence of hospitality companies and products there, especially in tabletop, housewares, and buffetware. 
With over 4,400 exhibitors and 135,000 attendees from over 160 countries, Ambiante definitely has a very international flavor and feel. Of course, you have to keep in mind that some of those are exhibitors that are in categories such as leather goods, giftware, and furnishings. All these are spread over more than a dozen buildings, though. Each having each building has multiple shores for exhibitors. For instance, a lot of tabletops uh, resides in table uh, in building four, and there's four floors there. And in addition to just the sheer size, we like the design component given to the exhibits themselves. Much more attention to branding and brand messaging than at most hospitality shows, especially those that we see here in the U.S. Show management at Frankfurt's Ambiante also has given a little bit more love to the hospitality sector lately. They prefer the term Horeca for hotel, restaurant, and catering. And in recent years, they've offered seminars, special listings, and more, more uh, activities geared towards attendees who are interested in the Horeca-related companies and categories. Ambiante is a show that comes every February, and it's a show that we highly recommend attending at least once for those who agree with us at Tabletop Matters. For its overall size, for its flavor, for its feel, and more for a global trade show experience. So February will be a busy trade show month for all you kindred spirits of tabletop out there. And in an ongoing trend news story, bowls continue to be the Swiss army knife of hospitality dinnerware. The latest story comes from Chipotle, and yes, we realize they're using disposable bowls. But by the way, for all you permanent dinnerware people out there, if you don't think restaurants like Chipotle and along with their quote-unquote disposable dinnerware they're using are your competition, well, you can just stay under that safe rock you're sitting under. I'm sure this fast casual thing will pass. Yeah, right. Anyway, back to Chipotle. The news here isn't that they're using bowls. Heck, they've had a burrito bowl since forever, I think. The news here is that Chipotle has launched a new menu series that they're calling lifestyle bowls so that customers can quote unquote achieve their wellness resolutions. Interesting. This is a trend we find interesting on a couple of levels. Number one, the fact that they're expanding their use of bowls tells us that the Chipotle customer continues to accept more and more the whole idea of an entire meal in a single bowl. Remember, while the chain's customer may skew young for now, today's Chipotle customers are tomorrow's family and upscale dining patrons. And bowls really are the Swiss Army knife for tabletop if you think about it. Bowls can be used for just about everything you might serve, from salads to entrees, right on through to desserts. And in some parts of the world, you'll even drink your coffee from a bowl. So dinnerware suppliers, you better keep working on upping your bowl game. And number two, we find it interesting that Chipotle is marketing these new menu items as quote-unquote lifestyle bowls. They're collections for specific meeting specific dietary demands. And they're also partnering with an outside company called Whole30 to offer and then showcase a healthier culinary lifestyle. And given the issues that Chipotle has experienced recently with food quality issues, this type of marketing seems to be very on point for this great restaurant brand. But think about it. What could be next? Fleming's quote-unquote lifestyle steak platters? You just never know. I'm sure there's some permanent dinnerware company out there that can come up with a creative program for that. In our first product segment this week, we're going to talk about a company that you've heard us mention here before. That is Norway porcelain producer Figio. For those unfamiliar with Figio, first of all, the name is spelled F. I-G-G-J-O, and it's a family-owned hospitality porcelain manufacturer based in Stavanger, Norway. Chefs who have competed in European culinary competitions over the years are very familiar with Figio brand and its products. Figio has a wide range of dinnerware and serveware products made especially for the hospitality industry, but today I want to focus on their still new 
Oslo Coffee Service Series. Figio's Oslo has been developed together with Tim Wendelboe, one of Norway's top baristas. Wendelboe was named the top coffee barista in Norway and went on to win a gold medal at the World Barista Championships, so you have to know that Tim Wendelboe knows coffee. And since the team at Figio are experts at porcelain, you know it's going to be a great matchup. The story behind Oslo and their coffee series is best described by Wendelboe himself. The new coffee cups from Figio completely changed the coffee experience. By using three different cups, we're able to emphasize each individual coffee's unique flavors and then go ahead and intensify the guest taste experience. We know how much coffee people love their coffee, and so if anything's going to intensify their taste experience, I think that's a big hit. The Oslo collection from Figio consists of three cups that are uniquely designed, and then along with that, a small pot that allows for brewing the coffee right in the pot itself. So this is not a really large collection. We especially love the cup shapes, and we think that coffee aficionados will as well. And again, all the Oslo pieces are made specifically for the hospitality industry. So they're going to hold up in the back of the house as well. So that's really a cool part of Oslo uh, in, in, in addition. But most importantly, they're made to enhance the coffee drinking experience. For any food service or hospitality operator who is looking to differentiate their coffee experience, Oslo should be at the top of the list in terms of the service pieces they consider. And as the coffee drinking phenomena continues to grow, and as drinkers become more and more knowledgeable and sophisticated, that demand for sophistication of coffee types grows, and how you serve those experienced guests really matters. The Oslo Coffee Service Collection from Figio answers the demand for a coffee service that enhances and intensifies the overall coffee taste experience, no doubt. As I said earlier, Norway's Figio produces an extensive line of wide range of trend-setting hospitality porcelain dinnerware and serveware products. These products are sold all over the world and are just really in the last several years become available in the U.S. In the U.S., Oslo and all the Figio products are available from the team at Little M. Tucker, the division of Singer Equipment. You can check out the Figio lineup on the Little M. Tucker website or go to www.figio.com. That's F-I-G-G-J-O.com. Figio. You're going to love it. And in other product news, here's the news I know you've all been waiting for. Homer Lachlan has just announced that the Fiesta color for the year of 2019, and it's meadow green. And as is its practice, when Homer Lachlan introduces a new Fiesta wear color, they also retire a color. The outgoing color this year is sage. Now, we all know that Fiestaware is a collection that is fundamentally designed to be a consumer dinnerware collection and not made specifically for hospitality. So why would we even mention this as quote-unquote news? Well, there are two reasons. Number one, we follow all sorts of trends, including trends on which colors are now quote-unquote on trend. So when Homer Lachlan introduces or announces its decision on which color of Fiestaware they are launching, we find that interesting, particularly from a decor and a styling perspective. And number two... There are indeed restaurants that use Fiestaware as more and more restaurateurs, coffee shop owners, healthcare operators, and others who are making their tableware decisions based upon more of a visual appeal and less on the practical aspects of a particular collection. The lines of difference between retail dinnerware and dinnerware designed specifically for restaurants and hotels continues to get more and more blurred each and every year. Now 60 Seconds with Shannon, where Dave asks Shannon Talon of Edward Diamond Company the question of the week. This week, Shannon talks about pottery and pottery-like products in restaurants today, and if this trend will continue. 
Hi, we're back with Shannon Talon from Edward Don and Company. And Shannon, today's question involves some of the pottery-looking products and actual pottery products that we're seeing in restaurants uh, today and have for actually for a couple of years now. Do you think see that as a trend that continues? And where does all that go? I, I do see that trend continuing. I think as uh, end users and operators are wanting to continue to differentiate the look of their tabletop, the look of their establishment, the look of their buffet, uh, those locally made artisanal products uh, fit right in line with that. Uh, but there's challenges that come along with that, certainly, very much so on the operations or supply chain side. Um, as operators grow and if they become go from one unit to many units and they're using those local potters, that continuity of supply becomes a challenge. So the challenge to our traditional tabletop and buffet manufacturer partners is how do they mass produce ware that looks handmade? And there's some folks in the industry that do it very, very well and more that are trying to, but that's going to be the challenge long term is how do you get that unique, uh, sophisticated look, uh, but make sure you can keep getting that product and get it as quickly as you need it as your business evolves and grows. And the practicality issues involved with real pottery, I would call it? You know, obviously there's going to be some, some, there can be some food safety issues depending on the type of product, the shape of the product, the raw material. Um, it might not always be as food safe or might not be food safe relative to traditional commercial grade wear. Uh, but I think end users are also smart enough to, many of them are smart enough to know that and understand that they can only use the product in certain ways. Maybe it's decor, maybe it's a certain, they're plating a certain type of item where it's not going to put them in any sort of danger zone. Uh, but that's absolutely a consideration that customers have to keep in mind as well. Now here's Dave with this week's commentary. This week, Dave talks about the customer journey and what that means in the hospitality tabletop sector. In this week's commentary, I want to talk about the customer journey. For those of you who have heard me speak in a group setting, you likely have heard me mention it and how it plays out in the world of hospitality tabletop. While I'm not entirely sure who first came up with the idea of the customer taking a decision-making journey, I do know that the consulting firm McKinsey has been presenting variations on this theory for more than 10 plus years. And yes, others, maybe even your company, have different terms and different ways of describing how a customer gets to yes when buying, making their buying decisions. So the customer journey discussion is certainly not a new one. But what does a customer journey mean to those of us in the hospitality tabletop sector? And why is that important after all? First of all, the great news about the customer journey is that no matter the industry, no matter the product or service, and no matter if it's B2C or B2B, and I can make the argument here that everything is B2P, business to people, but that's another discussion for another day. The concept of the customer journey always, always applies. But what exactly is that customer journey? First, the very first step a potential customer must take on the journey to becoming an actual customer is awareness. Potential customers must be aware that you and your product and your company exist. In our industry, that is accomplished primarily through a variety of marketing and sales methods from trade shows, belly-to-belly -belly sales calls, social media, and word of mouth. Creating customer awareness is really simply letting them know you're there and your product is appropriate for their type of operation or need. So awareness is step number one on the customer journey. Step number two in the customer journey is consideration. Once your potential customer is aware of your product and that it might fit their specific need, then they start to consider you as a possible option to fill that need. Usually it's at this point of consideration that potential customers start to dig a little deeper in trying to learn more about you, your company, and your product. And in this consideration step, potential customers will also want to learn more about their options on how they might purchase your products. 
Will they buy directly from you or purchase via distribution? Maybe you'll have them buy through a web wholesaler. Or maybe even your product might be the type of product that's only available through a traditional retail source. We've talked about that ever an ongoing merging of consumer and hospitality only products. Producers need to be aware of the consideration given at this stage to how a potential customer will purchase their product. Step three is trial. This is where your potential customer stops being a potential and becomes an actual customer. This is a critical point in the overall customer journey because in essence, this is really your chance to make a quote unquote first impression. The customer experience begins in earnest with the first purchase. Think about all the customer touch points that are happening right now. Does this new customer know exactly how to order the product so they get the correct one when it arrives? Who do they turn to if they have questions? What happens when they make a call to ask a question? How will the new customer's credit be considered? And what about the customer's unique logistical requirements? How does that product arrive at the customer's address? How is it packed and does it arrive safely and on time? These and many more are all touch points with the customer creating that all important first impression or trial. Also, here's a great spot to make sure your new customer understands that you are grateful for that trial order. Go back and listen to last week's commentary for more guidelines on gratefulness. Assuming things have worked out well so far with your new customer, step number four in the customer journey is repurchase or loyalty. As a supplier, this is where you want the customer to know that all the great attention you paid when they placed their initial trial order was how you treat every customer on every order. This step is important in establishing and reinforcing your reputation with this customer as a trusted resource. It also lets the customer realize that they made the right decision to go with you, your company, and your product. Remember, loyalty is the manifestation of a trusting relationship between supplier and customer. The fifth and final step is where we aspire to be with all our customers, and that is advocacy. Advocacy is where the customer is spreading the positive word of mouth about you, your company, and your products. They tell their friends and colleagues of their positive experiences when purchasing products and services from you. This type of positive reference is invaluable and must never be taken for granted. And here's an additional side note. In any long-term relationship, there'll inevitably be quote-unquote issues. Issues or problems give everyone an opportunity to reinforce that the decision to work with you and your company as a vendor was a great decision. So make sure you work even harder here to continue to earn that customer's confidence. So that's it, the five steps of the customer journey. Number one, awareness. Number two, consideration. Number three, trial. Number four, repurchase or loyalty. And number five, advocacy. It's always the same, no matter the customer, no matter the product category. And that is especially true in the hospitality tabletop sector. With so many nearly unlimited global resources available to operators of all types, suppliers of tabletop products must understand the journey and where they are with each potential customer and each existing customer. And here's one important final note. The customer journey is not simply a sales concept. Every employee from warehousing and distribution to finance to sales, marketing, and perhaps most importantly, the executive suite, they all need to understand the customer journey. Well, that's it, everybody. That wraps up today's Seat Yourself podcast. I want to thank Shannon Talon for joining us. And of course, I especially want to thank you, our listeners, for joining in today. 
And finally, I want to thank the Edward Don and Company for sponsoring, in part, this episode of Seat Yourself. Edward Don and Company, everything but the food for nearly 100 years. This is Dave Turner, and we'll see you next time. But always remember, Tabletop Matters. For more information and insights on the hospitality tabletop industry, be sure to check out tabletopjournal.com or email Dave at dt at tabletopjournal.com. Mm-hmm.